You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Have you ever been afraid? Like, not apprehensive, but really afraid. Like, afraid for your life. I don't know if I was, as I say this, I'm sure you can think of a story or something that has happened to you. But I remember being 9 or 10 years old. And I lived maybe 10 or 12 blocks from my school. And I would walk home by myself. It was 11.30 like in the afternoon. And so it wasn't like, you know, it was kind of normal for kids to walk home by themselves. And I walked home. And, but one of those days, I was followed. And so as I was walking home, you can imagine this 9 or 10-year-old freaking out because there was a man who kept following me. And every turn, he was there. And so I was walking. And you know, when you're a kid, you have been taught you don't go home because you don't want the stranger to know where you live, right? You know that's what you're taught. You don't go home. You find someone else's house and you put the stranger on them. (laughs) So I found someone else's house, a neighbor, and I went in and I hid in the back. You know, now, mind you, I was really thankful they didn't have a dog. But I walked in and I went to the back and I hid. And I waited for the stranger to leave so that I can run home, right, freaking out and get home and, like, be safe again. See, I don't know if you've had an experience like that where you're, like, really afraid. And maybe as I share that story, you remember your experience. And maybe your experience didn't turn out as well as mine because your fear ended up bad. But maybe your experience was that, you know, that fear caused you maybe to hide. Or maybe that fear caused you to turn back and never try again. And so this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about fear because fear is inside all of us. You know, there is no such thing as a fearless person. Everybody has a measure of fear. Fear is our ability to think of the future, right? It's the byproduct of our ability to project into the future and to remember the past. I mean, it's what the what ifs or what has already happened that has already hurt us. So all of us have that ability to feel fear and we all feel it at some point in our lives. See, fear and faith are companions in our pilgrimage. We need to learn to embrace this tension of fear and faith because they will always be with us. Last week I discussed God's first order of business with Gideon, which was to reconnect with the people of Israel. Right? Basically, God was saying, I I need to reconnect with you. We need to reconnect. And so he uh, told Gideon to destroy the idols so that they would reconnect with the Father, you know, reconnect with Yahweh. Now, we need to understand that God didn't do that because he has an ego problem. God did not make sure that the people were connected to him because he needs it. He did it because we need it. He reconnected himself to his people because he wants us to be able to look at him for salvation. He needs us to be able to look at him for, for everything that we need. The supplier of our needs, the one and only. Everything that we need comes from him. And so it's not about God. It is about us. And that's why he led Gideon to destroy the idols. Today, as we continue the story, we will pay attention to Gideon's reactions. On the other side. So we've been reading Judges 6 through 8. And today we're going to discuss the same thing. Because right from the beginning, 
right from the beginning of Gideon's journey, we will see the fear and faith tension evident in his story. Right there in the wine press, as you remember from last week, he's in the wine press. He is already conflicted. He, he wants to believe that God is speaking to him. But at the same time, he cannot believe that God is actually speaking to him. So he's conflicted. Like, is this really God? So it's that tension. And uh, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that case where like, I have this impression and I have this thought, it could, am I just crazy? Like, am I being, like, is this God speaking? Like, have you ever felt that where you're in this place of like, is this, is this God? Is this, like, am I just being crazy? Where did that thought come from? Have you ever been there? Now, let me tell you, a lot of times, a lot of times we wait for this burning bush moment like Moses, right? We wait for God to speak in the fire or in the lightning. But oftentimes God whispers and his whispers sound a lot like us. They sound like our voice. And so we neglect to believe that that is God speaking. But I want to tell you something this morning that God wants to speak to you. And more than God wants to speak to you, I also want to tell you this morning that he has already many times. You do hear from God. Like I said, oftentimes we doubt that it is him. We doubt that God is actually talking to us. And this is where Gideon found himself, doubting that God was speaking to him. So when Gideon doubted, what did he do? He went along and he asked God to prove it. He said, God, show me a sign that this is you speaking. Show me a sign. So what he did is he asked the angel, hey, messenger, you know, angel or messenger, Stay here while I go prepare an offering for the Lord. And then I'll know that this is God speaking. Now, parentheses here. Can I just say that every encounter with God produces the need to worship. Okay, parentheses, totally different message. But can I tell you, when God comes into your life and when he speaks to you, our, our response is worship. And I love that Gideon says, wait, if this is God, I need to prepare worship. <laughs> I, need to be, I need to worship him. You know, total side note, another message. But know that the response to God is always worship. So as the story unfolds, the angel of the Lord remained. And Gideon did prepare the offering, the sacrifice, and he brought it over and the um, the Lord received it. Um, and so this morning I want to tell you this. We're talking about this fear and faith tension. And I want to tell you that it is okay to doubt. It is okay to doubt, you know, that not, not to know if God is speaking to you, not to understand everything. It is okay. God will not rebuke you for asking for signs. God will not turn his back on you for having doubts and having questions. He always welcomes a genuine heart. And we will see this, so we'll pick up in Judges 6.27, where we see that God does, I mean, that Gideon does follow God's instructions, and he destroys the altar of Baal and cuts down the ashrod. And then in Judges 6.27, it tells us, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. I want you to notice that, that Gideon did this at night because he was afraid of his family and townspeople. So as we begin to look at Gideon's response to God in his journey in these two chapters, can I remind you that God called him a mighty warrior. 
This is not what we, what we see, right? But God calls this man a mighty warrior. The mighty warrior does it at night. He is so afraid of his family and townspeople that he carries out God's order, orders in the dark of night. This is the mighty man of God who was afraid. Now what makes Gideon a mighty warrior is that he did not let fear stop him from doing what God was calling him to do. That's what makes him a mighty warrior. He didn't stop. The scriptures tells us that after he did that, after he destroyed the idols, God clothed Gideon with his spirit. And Gideon sounded the trumpet and many men came out to follow him. Now think about this with me. After one act, right, if you read the, the, the two chapters, after one act, Gideon destroys the altar of Baal, right, is not killed for it. And then 32,000 men follow him. He sounds the trumpet and overnight, immediately, he gets 32,000 men to follow him into this next journey. Right? Now that's amazing. You would think that that's enough to kind of go, okay, God is in this. Because why would 32,000 men immediately start to follow me? Right? You would think that that was enough for him, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Gideon was still afraid and he was still unsure. And so he asked God for another sign that he was there, that he was speaking. And that's what actually he, God was calling him to do. So we pick up in Judges 6, verse 36 and 40, verses 36 through 40. Then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, see, this is the, the, how God had started with him. I will save Israel through your hand. So if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it, and it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let, the, let it be dry on the fleece only and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only and on all the ground there was dew. Here's why I find this important. God didn't dismiss Gideon's feelings. God didn't dismiss Gideon's fears. See, God was concerned with how he felt. And you know, we have been told this lie that, that God doesn't care about how we feel. You just got to do what you, That's not true. God cares very much about us and he will not trample over our emotions. He does not neglect them. God is in the business of addressing our fears. He will address our fears. And I want to tell you this morning that God wants to address your fears today. That he doesn't want to walk over it or ignore it. The other thing that I found really interesting about the story is that Gideon did not shrink back. He had the faith to ask God for a sign. Can I just say it, it, it requires faith to say, God, can you do this for me so that I know it's you. It requires faith to ask God for a sign. And Gideon did just that. He asked God for a sign. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I have had times where I have asked God for a sign. Have you ever asked God for a sign? I've done it. I've seen the hand of God and I can remember, <laughs> I can remember one of the signs, which is kind of funny. So when we moved to Houston, 
um, after getting married, about a year and a half into being married, we moved to Houston because we felt that's where the God, God was leading us. And so we had all, you know, we put all these things before the Lord and he did every one of them. And so we're like, okay, well, now we got to go to Houston. So we're in Houston about two years into the journey. And all of a sudden we're like, are we still in the right place? Did we miss it? Did we miss what God, you know, wanted to do? It's been two years. It's been silent. We, nothing seems to be moving forward. What's going on? And so my parents had decided that they wanted to move to Florida. And so that was an opportunity for us. We thought, maybe we should move with them. Maybe we, we, we missed it. Maybe we didn't get it right. Maybe, you know. And so I put this before God. I was like, okay, God, we are here. I feel like I don't really know what's going on. We're a little bit lost, you know. If we are not supposed to move to Houston, I want you to give me a promotion. Now, mind you, I had been in the lease. I, would, I was leasing apartments at the time, and I had been in that company for six months in that new complex. I had no experience being an assistant manager. I have never done it before. The opening came up, and I said, God, I want a sign. I want a sign that we're still at the right place, that we haven't missed it, that, I'm not, that we're not supposed to move. I want that promotion. Now, I had been put in, in charge of scheduling the, the interviews with my boss. Now, I know what you're thinking. You sabotaged. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not sabotage. I did. I set up the interviews. I had, she had maybe four or five interviews for that day. On the day that she was supposed to interview everyone, she got sick and didn't show up. So my manager didn't show up. The interviews fell through. And so she comes in the following day and she says, okay, we have to reschedule them. I'm like, okay, I will try to reschedule them. And then she looks at me and she says, you know what? How about you try it? And if it works out for the month, it's yours. I almost fell off my chair. I was like, we're not moving. Okay, yes, I'm in. Because I believed that if God, if we were still at the right place, and I believed that God was going to speak to us, that he was going to do what he's, you know, he was going to respond to the sign. And it took faith. It took guts to say, hey, God, you can show up. I need proof. I need a sign. But God wants to um, show you his plans. He wants to show you which direction to go. He wants to be a part of the journey, not, the end, not just the end product. And so maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, well, I am kind of crazy. Maybe I'm crazy, but I am like Gideon. And I do believe that God has invested interest in my journey. And if my heart is dedicated to the Lord and his purposes for my life, then my fears and my doubts are not roadblocks but opportunities for God to show that he is able and loving. There are opportunities for God to show up in my life and for me to share with other people what the Lord has done. See, these are growth steps for me. And the Lord is pleased in my faith in his sovereignty. He's always pleased by that. So I don't, and here's the other thing, right? I don't doubt God's ability. I doubt my ability. I don't doubt that God can do it, I doubt having heard from him. I doubt that he would have chosen me. That's the doubt, not in God. So that's why God is um, more than willing to show signs because the doubt is not God, it's about me. It's me thinking, why would he choose me, right? And so God wants to, wants to um, prove or he wants to respond because he is calling you and he knows 
that we are but dust. And he knows that we know our incapabilities. And so it's an opportunity for him to show himself strong and powerful in our lives. Now, can you relate to that? Can you relate to the thought that, you know what? It's not that I doubt God. I know God can. I just doubt myself sometimes. Can you relate to that thought? Like, I don't know if I can do what he's asking me to do. But let me put it this way. If God was telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if he was telling you open the business, go back to school, adopt a child, take on the new job, buy the house, give of your finances. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was, that was God speaking to you, how would you respond? How would you respond knowing that it was God? Would you feel afraid? Yes. But would you do it anyway? Would you feel afraid? Obviously. The steps are unknown. And every time that it's unknown, every time that what if rises, it's, we feel the fear. But would you do it anyway if you knew that God was leading you? See, Gideon did. Gideon decided to move forward. He rallied his troops and he moved forward with what the Lord was telling him to do. Now here, the, the madness doesn't end there, right? Because when God's going to do things, he does it spectacularly. So Gideon has 32,000 men at his, at his disposal. And God says, your army is too large. I need to make it smaller. Because the men will be tempted to think that they did this. So I need to make it smaller. And then after that, there's a series of, there's a couple of things that God tells Gideon to do to bring the number down. And he brings it down to 300 men. Now Gideon is supposed to take over the Midianites. He had 32,000 men. Now he has 300. This is like God telling you, I want you to purchase the Lord and Taylor there uh, in Stanford. You know, the one on High Ridge Road, the big one. He, you have, all of a sudden you have $10 million at your disposal. And he says, no, but that's too much money. You're going to buy it with 30,000. Give the rest away. You're like, I'm sorry, what? I thought I had the money. <laughs> you gave me the ability. No. See, God brings it down to 300 men. And this is, this is crazy in every possible way. But you know what? See, Gideon would have to be insane to do this. Or he would have to know that God was doing this. And he knew that God was doing it. So he goes ahead, 300 men. And that's where we pick it up on Judges 7, verse 19 through 14. That same night, the Lord said to him, arise. Now he has 300 men, right? 300 men at his disposal. That same night God said to him, arise, go down against the camp for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Now I want you to notice that he's still afraid, right? He's still afraid. And notice the kindness of God. God said, if you're still afraid, I want you to do this. There's, here's another proof. So then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number. As the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread 
tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down. And so that, so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. God had already confirmed to Gideon before this three times that he had given the Midianites over. Yet Gideon was still afraid. Now I get it, right? I get it. I would be too. 300 men. The Bible says that there was a locust in abundance. Like there was men everywhere from the other army. And you have three men. So I get it. He was afraid. But here is what's brilliant. God is so good. He is so kind that he sends Gideon to the camp to hear from the mouth of his enemy that he's about to lose. He hears it from his enemy. Hey, we're about to lose, man. How amazing the heart of a father that says, look, dude, I get that you're afraid. I'm going to prove to you one more time I care about you. You're going to win. You're going to win. He sends them to hear it from the mouth of his enemies. Can I tell you today that God, your loving father, will do the same for you. Whatever it is that you are supposed to achieve or wherever it is you're supposed to go, God is willing to address your fears, to confirm his call, to give you signs and miracles along the way that will confirm that he is working on your behalf. He did not only do it for Gideon, he will do it for you as well. He will do it for you. See, there's this passage in Jeremiah 1.12 that says that the Lord is watching, seeing that his words will be fulfilled. See, God's work on earth is done through you and me. The Bible says that we are ambassadors. We find that in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. So just like Gideon, who was sent to deliver the people of Israel from bondage, reconciling them to God, we have been given the same assignment. We have been given the assignment of reconciliation. And we bring the good news of Christ to anyone who will hear. Right? That's our job. So your purpose is to fight as a representative of Jesus, of the kingdom of God on this earth. So if you find yourself afraid, can I just say, you have all the freedom to ask for clarity. You have all the freedom from God to ask for clarity. Ask for signs. Ask for miracles. See, as we bring this to the close, I'm going to remind you of what I said last week. You can come. I'm going to remind you of what I said last week. There's no victory for those who are not willing to fight. Gideon was afraid, but he did not quit, nor did he disqualify himself. He marched on. And I want to encourage you this morning to do the same, to seek what God has called you to do, to learn the mission from God and march on. Ask for clarity if you need it. Be bold to say, God, is this really you? I need to know. I need to know it's you. But then march on. March on because you won't see miracles and you won't see victory unless you march on. If he is calling you to do something, don't stay stagnant. Don't stay afraid. Address the fear. God, I'm afraid I need another sign. God, I'm afraid. And do that 20 times if you have to. There's no limit. Do what you need to do, but move as you're doing it. Take the next step and ask again. 
take the next step and ask again and move on forward because the worst outcome for a follower of Jesus is not death. The worst outcome is a life that was lived without purpose. Is a life that was lived without purpose. And I would venture to say that that's the worst outcome for any life. 